Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Tech Start, where I share with you my day-to-day experiences working at a tech company and the lessons I've learned along the way. This is episode 12, and today we'll, talking, we'll be talking about the new startups that people love to hate. It's Sunday evening here, quarter to nine here in London. It's definitely feeling like the end of summer and the beginning of autumn. It's also London Fashion Week here in London, which is always fun to watch. Um, Lots of crazy outfits and beautiful people um, and lots of parties. So the startups that people love to hate. So last Wednesday, a story broke um, or lots of stories broke actually about two ex-Google employees receiving an obscene amount of money for what a lot of people are seeing as a bad idea. And the company is called Bodega. So this tech, this tech startup really hopes to replace the apparently, and I think this is an American term, the mum and pop um, shops with unnamed boxes that rely on an app and artificial intelligence. Now, a lot of hate has been um, put towards the, this specific startup, Bodega, both on social media and a lot of pretty harsh articles have been written about it. Now, beyond the whole concept that this is representative of what's wrong with Silicon Valley. Really, for me, it's about the fact that this startup solves zero problems. Um, and not because it's it's got a lack of creativity or innovation, but really because it solves zero problems. There's nothing wrong with Bodegas to Gay. Um, ultimately, the idea is this. It's a five foot wide pantry that people can unlock with their smartphones and they can choose basically non-perishable items. Um, There's obviously no humans involved at these so-called stores um, and they're already stationed in spots like apartment buildings, offices and gyms. And then there's a computer program apparently that automatically charges customers credit cards. Um, So yeah, so part, uh, so yeah, a little bit more techie than ultimately a vending machine. So for me, it just sounds like a glorified vending machine. And if you're not happy with vending machines, then you can probably go down to your corner store, your bodega. So not only, in my opinion, is it not actually solving a problem, which is what we should be focusing on, well, actually what young entrepreneurs and startups would be really focusing their efforts on, um, but also it's kind of destroying yet another core element of our communities, the human aspect. So for example, um, I would actually have zero issues whatsoever using the, the, the automatic passport reading machines that we're seeing um, at the Eurostar tunnels or that we're seeing at the airports if they were actually more efficient, more reliable and faster than giving your passport to an agent. But they're not. They really, really are not. Um, I always get stuck in between the first gate and the second gate and I always end up having to wave my hands which takes another three minutes to get someone to unlock me to walk out and then to do the queue all over again. So I always request um, to stand maybe for 30 or 30 seconds more and actually talk to the human being and give my passport to a human being to be checked. And the re- there's actually another reason why I love this is because every single time I give my passport the man or the woman behind the counter flips through my passport and I would say nine, maybe eight times out of 10, they will ask me, oh, parlez-vous français? And the reason why they ask me that is because I have a British passport, but I was actually born in France. So every time that sort of catches people's eye and I strike a conversation and it always makes me smile and it always starts a conversation. And for whatever reason, um, probably the human interaction involved just makes me feel happier. 
so again, this is, a, you know, I know down the line that these machines are hopefully going to solve a problem, but for the moment they're not. And so I'm just not going to choose to use them. Anyway, long story short, just to say that tech and innovation should really be put towards actual challenges and problems that we are facing, which I think is the sort of underlining tone that we're seeing in this backlash um, towards um, Bottega. And that's Bottega, not Bottega. Actually, this story also um, has just reminded me back of another story and another, don't want, want to say startup, but let's say venture um, that happened back in 2014, I think. And two twin brothers decided to launch a pop-up store here in um, Shoreditch. Um, a pop-up shop, sorry, here in Shoreditch in, in, in London. And it ultimately just sold um, a cereal um, from around the world. Um, again, the problem here where they were challenged over selling a bowl of cornflakes for £3.20, that's around 4 or $5.00 in one of London's poorest areas. Now, there was this whole, um, what can only be described as a very cringe-worthy interview that happened. I think it was Channel 4 that they did. Um, and they spoke um, to the two twins on, and one of the questions that I think struck up this cringe-worthy encounter was, the interviewer asked if local residents could actually afford to eat at their, ca at their cafe. And, and the brothers had opened their venture on Brick Lane, uh, which is very much a hipster hotspot uh, and home for a number of quirky cafes. But the East London Borough um, is actually one of the capitals, although it's very vibrant, it's also one of the capital's poorest, um, poorest areas, um, where more more than, I think, one in two children grow up living in poverty. I mean, it's pretty horrendous. Um, so safe to say the that interview was an epic disaster. It went pretty viral and they got an extraordinary, um, I think, amount of backlash as a result of this, um, especially from anti-gentrification um, protesters. The shop was vandalised and at one point they were coined, you know, the two most hated men in London for being so disillusioned. And I think it was less about them, again, not solving an actual problem. This was more of a pop-up and, and a fun venture, but it was doing so and flaunting it really in one of the poorest areas. So similar here with the bodegas, um, you're trying to replace people who are really hardworking individuals, mostly immigrants, really trying to make a life in, in, by setting up these corner stores um, in, in big cities whether this is San Francisco, whether this is New York or London. So it is, a, it is an actual real problem and a real challenge when tech companies or pop-up or startups are actually trying to replace something that's currently working and putting people out of a job whilst not creating anything that's particularly innovative. In other news, as I mentioned, it's Fashion Week here um, in London. It was, I think it was in New York as well last week. It's going to be Paris soon and Milan. And so for the past, the past few years, what's been interesting is to watch the, the fashion space and, and fashion companies and brands really try and adopt um, social media and adopt technology to help them ultimately with the end goal of driving more sales. Um, 
and what we've been seeing is shows like Burberry for the last um, handful of years have been live streaming their shows. Uh, a lot have, have followed suit and, and using uh, social media ambassadors and influencers to also drive awareness um, by live streaming um, on specific pages and on specific apps and on people's social media accounts, um, their fashion shows. And then some took it a step further. Burberry also, I mean, they've been at the, the, the cutting edge of this of allowing people to shop and top shop as well actually for that matter but allowing viewers and to shop um, straight from the catwalk just a couple of minutes after the show and Amazon is really um, now taking it a step further apparently Amazon is testing an option that allows you to deliver the highlights from a particular show which is Nickel Panda's London Fashion Week um, lineup to local Prime subscribers within an hour I mean this is pretty insane um, apparently we're supposed to think of it as Prime Now but for your wardrobe so ultimately you can watch the catwalk take your pics and within an hour have this um, delivered to you and What's interesting is I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was actually came to London, who's based in Brussels, and he looked at me and said, what on earth do you shop from, from Amazon? And I totally forgotten that, or that I have the huge advantage and the amazing, incredible opportunity to be able to have Amazon Prime. And whenever I'm walking around the house and realize I'm missing something and I know I can't get it from my corner store, I'm just going to use Amazon Prime knowing that I'm going to get it within 24 hours. Now, not many cities um, actually have this in use and have it done properly. Um, so I'm extremely, and so I live in this mindset of the, the, the 24 delivery. ASOS is another one that does it incredibly well, where within 24 hours, your delivery can come and they'll actually pick it back up as well. Um, but this is within an hour, which is completely insane. Um, so I don't know, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how fashion brands are going to be working closer, I think, with with companies like Amazon. Um, the reason why I think it's interesting is because a lot of my friends, I don't think even realize that Amazon is one of the biggest you know, retailers out there and, and selling the amount of clothes that they do. Um, but you do lo lose that sort of luxury and the, I don't know, the browsing excitement that you get when you go to a proper online store, which is also very weird to say, a proper online store. Um, but anyway, I thought that was an interesting piece um, piece of news coming out from the, the fashion and tech space. That's it, um, really, for me tonight. Um, wish me luck. I actually put myself forward um, for an acting bursary um, here in London. Um, I've actually loved my acting courses so much recently um, for a variety of reasons, which I can I'll go into another day. But um, yeah, loved it so much that I've decided to see if I could potentially get a bursary to do even more courses and classes. But they are pretty expensive. Um, I don't think I'm I'm sure yet if I'm comfortable saying this could be a vocation or this could be an actually an actual thing that I'm serious about but who knows for the moment I'm absolutely loving doing something different different I'm absolutely loving challenging myself and feeling like a dork and an idiot and being surrounded by people who are just as excited and I kind of love that I just looked at this um opportunity and thought why the hell not let's do it I don't think I would have um, been able to do that six months ago um, so yeah fingers crossed and hopefully I'll hear soon if I can get round or if I am actually chosen to go around to the second round um, and even potentially win this thing I've actually got no and I'm talking to you I've actually got no idea um, how many people um, 
apply for this bursary. So it could just be me against 50 people or me against a couple hundred or maybe me against a couple thousand or tens of thousands. Um, so I've actually got no idea what my odds are, which is really weird because it's actually something that I, I really like to know. Um, but generally with these things, I do the best I can and then I try and forget about it and not get too excited about it. So obviously the, the, the disappointment isn't too disappointing. Um, and on that note, I wish you all an amazing day or a lovely evening and I'll chat to you tomorrow. And if there's anything in particular you want to talk about or discuss, do let me know and I'm always happy to dig into it with you.